0: This is Rock and Roll Grad School with your hosts, Heidi Hedquist and Luke Poling. All their favorite songs are slow and sad.
1: Hello, kitties. We're going to have a real good time together. That is because we have Michael and Chris from Lizard Music. They're a really fun pop band. And all the words I feel like you would use to describe them, words like interesting and unique and memorable, all sound like negatives, but truly this is a, a really fun record. It's called Arizona. It is coming out on vinyl soon. Um, Heidi, I would ask for your opinion, but you weren't able to be there for the interview. So instead, let's let's talk about something else. So here's um, something I saw yeah. quickly over the weekend. Um, you like a good cover band, right?
0: I do indeed.
1: Um, so I don't know if you saw this story. Uh, there is a cover band in the UK. And when I tell you the cover band's name and what they play, you will not be surprised that they're in the UK. They are called Noasis. Okay. Have you heard about this?
0: No, but I like the name.
1: So Friday night, they were playing a show in Yorkshire. Um, Obviously not Thanksgiving weekend because they don't.
0: Not their jam.
1: Right. They celebrate imperialism another (laughs) way. Yes. Uh, Which I feel like America and England, the relationship with that is sort of like those 80s drug commercials where America's just screaming, I learned it by watching you.
0: Yes, that's exactly what it is. Thousand percent.
1: So no oasis uh, in Yorkshire Yorkshire, up on a hill at a pub called the Tan Hill Inn. Of course. Bands killing it. Uh, The New York Times describing them as being electric. I don't know if that is an oasis reference or not.
0: It is. You really well, don't know don't.
1: No, no. I don't know oh. if the New York they Times is trying to it was make it. Uh, yes. Well, we should give the New York Times a little bit of credit that perhaps they are familiar with their work. Well, yes, but they don't mention that they were also in a champagne supernova. You know what I'm saying? Well,
0: maybe it wasn't that kind of party.
1: I mean, maybe tonight they're a rock and roll star. Anything you Look, could throw what's in the there. the story, Morning Glory? Exactly. Exactly. Um, maybe you don't really need to know how their garden grows. Oh, but anyway. Stop
0: don't look back in anger
1: i've heard them say so they're favorite in your oasis song by far yeah i love I that so. song i think that might be it it's i so do good. like rock and roll star just like a
0: yeah wall
1: up of a anyway so i tend no to oasis. like
0: like ballady songs from bands that aren't ballady people
1: mm, interesting makes sense mm-hmm. but when they hit a ballad they like they go for it
0: yes Okay, and no, I sorry. don't
1: know if they each have like ironic names playing off of, you know, right. it's not, I don't know if they have a Sailor Hawkins, if there is a Liam oh, and a Noel. I'm assuming there's a bonehead because there's got to be a bonehead. There should be. So, but should they're, a bonehead. so they're playing the Tan Hill in, mm-hmm. killing it, going over. Great. They finish the set. Good night. Drive safe. And then they get the. Word from local authorities that it is not safe to drive home because of the snow. Oh, dear. So the, band, so the band members mm-hmm. and seven in employees stayed at the bar on Friday night. Okay. And then Saturday night. And then Sunday night. For three nights in a row. Uh, on Monday, they were able to get out. Uh, A couple parents were able to get out earlier through to the through the generosity of some off roaders who had kids to go take them home. Uh, But 61 strangers were trapped in a pub starting Friday for three nights with an Oasis cover band. That's
0: amazing. And apparently...
1: It really is. And so to pass the time, this is a Broadway musical, frankly. It's a Broadway musical. They watched Grease and Mamma Mia together. They played Pub Trivia. Yes. And sang karaoke.
0: Okay, other than the karaoke, I, <laughs> this sounds like a dream party for me. Karaoke I, is not my thing. But the rest of it, all in.
1: Five guys with shag haircuts That's, and this bad is attitudes. Like, um, and I bet
0: they had tea and biscuits, too.
1: They completely had tea and biscuits. Bye. Since this is a group that's been together on and off for years, why did you decide the world needed lizard music now more than ever, or at least a full-length LP?
2: Well, the world sort of decided that for us. <laughs> it really, uh, it started out in the most um, serendipitous way, which was, you know, everybody being locked down last summer, um, just... You know, a text exchange went out to a few of the guys. Um, I sent something over to Eric and just said, you know, hey, would you be interested in trying to collaborate on a song while we're, you know, in quarantine and we all have some time on our hands? Let's. You have anything knocking around that you, we can maybe try to record remotely and just to see what happens? Just a, you know, no pressure, just a fun kind of thing. And then a couple of weeks went by and uh, a text message with a WAV file came through with a strange, you know, guitar piece and some vocals, you know, not nothing finished or, you know, completed or anything. And he just said, you know, here's something, see what you can do with it. And that was it. I put it into Logic, put some bass and vocals on it. And then we said we should send this off to Mike and see if, you know, he wants to add his touch to it. And as Mike's way is, he made it a thousand times better than <laughs> it started out as.
3: <clears throat> Chris, what was that first piece that you sent Eric? Yeah, it was
2: It was keystone cops it turned into keystone cops it was um, literally just a you know in a a very scratchy acoustic guitar track and a scratch vocal with some weird lyrics you know nothing completed on an you know recorded on voice memos on the iphone um i pulled that wave file into a logic session and you know just put some bass and some background vocals and again it was it was totally just like a just a fun hobby test and then we sent it to mike and of course he made an incredible synth arrangement and the lyrics got tweaked over time. And, you know, after a while, we just sort of realized, wow, this is actually a really cool piece. Um, Just the the act of us collaborating on something together again after so much time was just like a, a delightful thing. And then it kind of really blew up from there.
1: And what about did you give them any guidance on what you were looking for, or just send them a track and say "Have have at it," and everyone did exactly that. Had their way with your song.
2: Well, I mean, you know, Eric in in m- much of what Lizard Music does, um, you know, starts with Eric coming up with you know he's the singer, he's like the leader. It's generally like him coming up with a song, or Mike coming up with a song, or me coming up with a song. So whoever brings the song to the band just kind of says, "I got you know something. Here's a tidbit." can you add anything to it? You know, it's rare that in this, in this type of collaboration with this band that somebody brings in something that's totally done and they just say, here, put your parts on it. It's very collaborative. So in this case, Eric just had something laying around that he sent. And then Mike took it into a different direction. Cause you know, with, when he adds his arrangements and stuff, there's always like other ideas and he pushes it into another place and then sends it back to us. And we add, so, um, Mike, your d- definition of how the whole process went, I think is, is brilliant. When you said, um, he called it a, a what how did you phrase it? An improv in slow-mo?
3: Yeah. S- slow motion improvisation, I think is the best way to describe it. Cause exactly like Chris just said, it was sort of, uh, throwing out these chunks of ideas, fragments with, with the, with the complete understanding and sort of uh, intention of these just being sort of uh starting points and points of departure rather than okay this is done like you said this is done finished. I just like make a part it was like okay this is maybe this is a verse maybe this is a chorus um uh and then it would go we would be trading files I mean for me it was just I had Uh, I work with Ableton um, and, you know, Eric was in Pro Tools, Chris is in Logic and Craig is in Logic and we just decided, well, let's just trade audio files and then Eric wound up being the, the sort of basin for all of these files to eventually settle in and then he kind of put all the pieces in place from from us. So it was like, we had our, our DAW windows open, the workstation window, and then like Dropbox and iMessage. <laughs> so that's pretty much how it went. And, um, I have a little studio here in oh And I was able to record some piano and accordion and, you know, vocals, electric guitar. And, and it was really a, um, in, in lieu of being able to actually be in the same room and play together, it was kind of amazing to once again have these guys in my headphones and play along. And I was like, this isn't exactly like playing as a band, but it's a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. And it was really, that was a very uh, surprising and satisfying part of this whole experience.
1: It's interesting because a lot of the people we've spoken to talk about finishing records the writing records during this lockdown and it's always a well I had to get used to this way of collaboration I had to get used to you know like you said just sending stuff back and forth and never meeting in person but there's something about this record that that sort of melange of the four of you coming together uh, makes something different than what anyone started out with and you can kind of hear the layers of it which I think makes you really appreciate all the more the work that went into each of these tracks
2: yeah there's a lot of um there's a lot of little details in how this all came together like number one you know these four individuals haven't even been in the same room with one another since maybe 1996 is that a good thing
1: 2007 yeah but, a good oh, oh yeah sorry
2: yeah. in two thousand and seven we did get we got back together and we, we rehearsed some of the old songs and we did like a benefit show where we just played some music from our old albums. But when I say this, we haven't really like been together to like collaborate and write and work on new songs since you know back in the nineties, so in many ways, I think we we may have forgotten how that was to be in the same space, so even in in a, in a new sense of being together, like there was a comfort that we knew one another, but it was just a, a new situation to get used to.
1: It's, and I love to, again, with regard to the layers, the, on a bunch of different tracks, you hear the stopping and starting of a tape recorder, <laughs> or at least the effect of the starting and stopping of a yeah. tape recorder and all the kind of little things of, other pieces being sped through and back like it just it really feels like this the collaboration is kind of actively going on almost while the record is going and it gives it this kind of life was that something you were aiming for was that just happenstance of i forgot to mute this thing and here it is
3: i mean i think that a lot of that had to do with the fact that we are we just love doing this we have you know we started out and uh spent some real formative years together learning about music and and sharing music and and you know being in a van and getting really smelly and (laughs) 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 um and you know we you know these were these were these those critical you know like early 20s years and um you know and i mean it seems so obvious to me but maybe it's, maybe it's a little less obvious to a casual observer, but there's so much of the Beatles and all of this stuff. I mean, they were our heroes and we were kind of, we've always just been not copying them, but taking inspiration by how they would infuse a song with uh, silliness or, um, or some unusual sound effects. And, you know, I mean, all the things that make the Beatles great, we were just like, well, this is our version of that. And, um, and we're also products of, you know um, the late seventies, early eighties and watching tons of television and lots of movies. And all of that is fodder for <laughs> all of these songs. And, you know, there's like a very oblique, uh reference uh or quote from the thundercats cartoon <laughs> but it's actually an outtake and it's uh it was like this was like a pre-youtube uh viral i don't know if it was even viral but it was like a, a sound clip that made the rounds i mean i don't know late 90s of the uh actors playing the thundercats swearing um in character and it was i to me I was hysterical i mean i the the cartoon is what it is it's fine it's like i'm not so kind of uh i'm not obsessed with the thundercats but i just love the idea of these humans who like put on these characters like break character and start swearing and it's just that was really funny and then we actually had to recreate it with uh, our own voices so we wouldn't get in any trouble so sure <laughs> But like that was that's like it was all it was all in good fun and we've now had the benefit of you know twenty plus years of growing independently as musicians and artists and then coming back together and um, in the best possible way showing off for one another.
2: Yeah, I will say, you know, if you think about, if you ask any band, they may tell you the same story. But when you're together as as young people and you're just learning about music and you're traveling all the time and you're spending all this time together, um, tons of in-jokes come up. You get all of these references of like TV shows and commercials and, you know, all all that stuff just goes into the dumper and those become your your in-jokes. And so... A lot of that that feeling is kind of on this album it's like we haven't been together to really um, jam in that way for a while so we sort of just magically came up with this way of digitally you know just jiving one another and yeah trying to one-up each other and impress each other with like a reference or a part like um you know, everybody in this band, the one thing I will say is everybody has just extraordinary creativity. And, you know, now we have decades of experience that's been jammed into our brains from the stuff that we've experienced when we haven't been together. So now it's sort of like, you know, vomiting it all out in a way to (laughs) create something, you know, something that's new. There's so many old touchstones of like jokes that we would send via text message of a joke that we told in 1992, but now there's all this new stuff coming into the mix. And that stuff just couldn't help but make it into all of the songs just because that's how we roll. You know, we don't we've never been a band that's like, oh, we're going to write some blues changes and, you know, write a song about heartbreak. And then that's it. Like we always had much bigger aspirations to like create, you know, artistic pieces.
1: And I love that, Michael, you said with the the Thundercats, that's the sort of things I feel like I was always trying to put into mixtapes I was giving to friends. Yes. yes i remember totally. finding finding the uh an amway cassette at like a thrift shop in florida <laughs> uh-huh. and just it, you roll out those last few minutes of dead tape where you're like well here i'm gonna tell you how to sell amway at the end of this 100 <laughs> and, and yeah, just yeah. the the mixtape of it is that song mixtape is that about a particular cassette or is that oh, something because i mean again, it's I,
3: it's 100 true like you know autobiographical i in junior high school i gave a uh, this guy for some reason in rural new jersey maybe not rural but like suburban new jersey this guy was plugged into all of the new wave music that was happening in gosh i don't know 86 or so 85. Um, i was aware of some of it but this was the first time that i had gotten um, a tape and There was no label and the card was blank. So it was just like, he's like, here's your tape. And I was like, what happened to the case and the card and the sticker? And he's like, I don't know. Here's your mixtape, you know, months, (laughs) months and months after I had asked him, I was like, Hey, could you record some songs on this for me? he's like, yeah, sure. And then like, finally it arrived and I was just like, oh man, but then I put it in. And that was the first time that I heard, uh, close to me by the cure. Um the uh oh, I always forget the title of the song The Naive Melody by Talking Heads um
1: uh this must what be is the that? place. This must exactly. be the place. Yeah,
3: yeah. I always want to say home but it's not and so sorry <laughs> about that. <laughs> yeah. And um and like there was like some Depeche Mode on there and it was it was a really like critical piece of uh my uh, a a pin in the timeline i was like okay that was sort of the beginning of like oh there's more to there's a lot more happening in music than what's on the radio or on mtv at the time and it was totally amazing
2: when you get to know mike's um story and like what his history is and what his touchstones for music are it's pretty (laughs) incredible but um you know to To hear him tell that in a song about, you know, being, having the world introduced to him, like that type of music, um, it makes a lot of sense because he won't tell you, but he spent, you know, most of his childhood in recording studios because his father was a recording engineer and um, worked on, you know, a lot of amazing, incredible music. But um, Mike wasn't really like the the some of us myself and certainly eric like we we're very into like alternative music and different stuff and that was like not his touchstone so it was kind of cool for us all to um discover a lot of that at the same times
3: yeah my dad was a recording engineer and he worked notably with uh, bob james the guy who wrote the tv show theme for the show taxi and mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's like that's literally the music that i listen to growing up like i had bob james records and i would play them and so <laughs> it, that was like i was like okay all songs have to be about seven minutes long there's got to be about three <laughs> solos and no lyrics and yeah and if it was horn. yeah and it's <laughs> it's kind of incredible because i it wasn't until i was like after i was in lizard music easily uh, like maybe i was like almost 30 or like oh, that's what a verse and a chorus and a bridge is. <laughs> now it makes sense. It seems so obvious, but we were just working on instincts and, you know, it, it got us, it got us to a certain point And I mean, there's something to be said about the, um, uh, the sort of drive and um, I don't want to say like the naive approach, but I mean, it kind of is in a way, the sort of like, you know, we're going to do this, even though we don't know what we're doing, you know, mm-hmm. we're going <laughs> to, we're going to make music and, um, and it'll, it's going to be, it's going to be something.
2: There was a <laughs> lot of learning on the spot. We spent many, many hours in a, in the basement of Craig's house, just jamming and coming up with stuff. And, you know, we were all in your early 20s, as you can be extremely arrogant about the things that you like and what's cool and what's (laughs) not cool. um, You know, we always tried very hard to like be extremely different from what the popular music scene was. Like we weren't going to be a grunge band. We weren't going to (laughs) be a hair metal band. Like, you know, we were way too cool for that stuff. So we had to find our own way to like put our own stamp on whatever we were doing. But at the same time, trying to also learn just you know how to make music like how do you make a song and you know that's just that's what became lizard music
1: and it's also interesting too i think uh, in reading the reviews for this record so many of them almost feel like a name drop list of, yeah oh they like, clearly they heard these records and i saw one that mentioned klaatu which i didn't even realize anyone else knew of Oh there um, was yeah
3: there was one review that I made a Spotify playlist cuz I was like <laughs> I don't know any of these bands I mean I've heard of some of them but a lot of them were like what the fuck
2: <laughs> two is a very um obscure reference and you know if it's in there it's completely subconscious there's no overt no over <laughs> influence big fans. from no. <laughs> i mean i you know i was i listened to them but i wouldn't say they were a, a part part of our inspiration but sometimes you can't help it you know when you ha- again when you have creative people that all get together and that thing that's bigger than the sum of the parts um exists in just a lot of other bands that are out there that take their work seriously and just want to you know, come up with cool inspired art. So even though that's not, you know, an overt inspiration, I can understand why the person would say that um, just because that's how music goes. That's how music goes, especially not top 40 music. You know, if you start to get down deep into just artists and people making music for the sake of music, not for the sake of a hit song, um, there's more similarities than you would think.
1: I feel like it can be easily be just one, you know two or three note pattern or a certain sound on a certain instrument that's like is that thing that takes you back to sure that record because i know uh, you know uh, there are records where i've had three notes on you know uh, some instrument where i'm like i cannot remember which album that's on but it just haunts you for the rest of your days that you um, cannot place totally. it yeah um and this record just feels like this great you know in the best way possible the four of you dumping out a bunch of cassettes and sort of melding them all together and working with them and finding your own voice in all these other songs and other musicians.
2: Um, I will say, you know, Eric's not here to speak for himself, but he has an extremely eclectic taste in music and his uh, his imagination for conceiving parts and songs is just like it's, un it's unbelievable to me. Like I learned a lot about writing songs and creating things just from seeing how his crazy mind works. Um, so, you know, he, he would all, I don't know if he would say it, but it seemed like he took it as a badge of honor to be like, you know, here's a song. And then we would work on it for a few days a week and be like, wow, this is a really cool piece. And then like the next week, something would come that was like completely different than the last one. And we'd be like, wow, that's really cool. Let's dive into that. And then we would put our parts on and then a week would go. And so like every week starting in, you know, August or September of last year, every week for the entire fall, there would be like a new a new thing, a new concept that somebody Mike would send or Eric would send something. And there'd be like, here's, you know, something that I've been thinking about and it would complete, it would create something that was like, unlike the other things. So now when you, when you listen to this record, you can, you can glean that from hearing the songs, But to kind of go back to what your first question was, there was no intention to create an album or to put a collection of songs together. We were literally just having fun creating. And then before we knew it, we had, you know, eight songs, we had 10 songs, we had 12 songs. And we were just like, where is this going to end? Because everybody was so inspired. (laughs) Um, At some point we were like, we just have to put an end to this and call it a done project. And that was like coming up on Thanksgiving of last year.
1: Are you still sending stuff back and forth? Are you still working or are you just letting, uh, taking a breat- breather?
2: We took a breather in the early part of the year just to to start working on, you know, putting this collection of songs together as an album and working on the deal with Omnivore. But there's a Dropbox folder that people keep putting stuff into and Mike just added something amazing just the other day. And now there's a whole separate Dropbox folder that's beginning to fill up with new <laughs> wave files that we're going to have to dive into at some point
1: gotta be an enjoyable process uh, you know where you're trying to sort of are you trying to impress your three f- other friends or are you trying to compliment what they're doing or just because again at that age when you first started working together i feel like any band i was in was a lot of shut up listen to this i got this thing it's going to be great how much of it is just i love what this guy's doing how do i improve upon it or kind of compliment it
3: yeah i i mean I, you know, um, as far as like the, like the sort of this new stuff goes, I, I'm not really sure where, how it's going to shake out, but, but I think that it was one of the rules that we implemented was that every, every idea that was every kernel that was presented had to be written and conceived in the moment and then uploaded and shared, because I feel that was. I feel like that was a much more kind of productive and positive way to, uh, to put this, put these ideas into um, this kind of collective um, container because you're not attached to them the way you are. Like if you have had a song sitting kicking around or like a part that's been kicking around, I'm sure that we all have like a big, a folder filled in our computers of like, oh, I this I know there's goodness in this thing. And, you know, but you have just too much baggage there. So like, just put it out fresh, write something in the moment, try to just find a moment of inspiration. And it could be a four bar phrase. It could be, you know, it could be a two minute long idea that um, just happens in the moment and just try to find the, the whatever, whatever part of the idea that sort of tickles you in some way Um, and then throw it out and then try to just let go and um, and trust in the other guys and their uh, interpretations. Um, I mean, the funny example of Keystone Cops is the first idea that Eric presented was this repetitive uh, guitar lick that I when I heard it, I heard the, uh, where the rhythm was, was in a different place than where he had intended it to be. So mm. it's like, he was on the, on the record. It's like, boo do do ding. And when I, when he did it, it was so it's sort of, it was like an upbeat sort of more syncopated idea, but I heard it this different way. And he was like, wow, I'd never i never would have, I never would have done that. I never would have, thought to shift it over. And then it sort of turned into this thing that none of us could have come up with on our own. And that to me is the success of this record is that it. these ideas kind of were able to withstand all the, I mean, it's not like it was extensive, but there was a, you know, there's a fair bit of tinkering involved and we were able to put a bunch of ideas together and then prune away like a bonsai tree (laughs) and try to leave the like as much of what could be interpreted as the original intention if there if that even is a (laughs) thing with these these songs um but um but yeah i mean it's uh it was so it was so much so much fun to as chris was sort of describing before you know eric and i are in California and Chris and, and Craig are on the East coast. And so, you know, I've, my, my working time is at night. And so Eric and I would be doing some stuff at night and then Eric, uh, Chris and Craig would then wake up to, I don't know, 137, text- yeah. yeah, literally <laughs> 100, like 100 text messages.
2: What the hell did we miss? You know, it's like 7 a.m. in New Jersey, and I'm waking up, and these guys have been jamming, and now there's like 78 texts. and We're like, holy shit, we have to read through this text and see like where this song has gone to. It, it was a pretty funny way of experiencing it.
1: No pressure on your end to meet the speed <laughs> to which they were, oh, but 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 that, but
3: I mean. I, what was great is that like, then Chris would throw a baseline down or like write a bridge or put some vocals on and be like, oh, okay, that's, that's great. And so every day there was like, um, there was just new things to discover. Um, and, uh, and, you know, Craig is, is, uh, he was that like, maybe like a slight disadvantage in that he doesn't have a, a home recording setup. So he would had to go to a studio. So he had to like, we had to get, he had to get a bunch of songs that were pretty much, you know, in a final state and then he would go in and, and then overdub drums. And he would do, I think he did maybe a few, a handful of sessions. And, um, and so then we would get all the the drum tracks and then mostly it was Eric who would, um, pull put all that stuff together, but it was really, it was really something to, um, like for me when i'm working on music outside of lizard music i <clears throat> i try as my i try my hardest to not just let like an idea get 60% of the way or 75% i try to like get it as finished as i can in that moment depending on how much time and energy i have left in in whatever that is but and this was very different in that it was like i'm no i'm only working on the chorus you know it's like i don't have to there's not the pressure to finish the whole thing in, in that little moment uh, is like, and that it became this conversation between all of us um, between like the text messages and emails and all these Dropbox files. Like you really, you really feel the communication between all of us in, in this music, I think.
2: Definitely. And to your earlier point, um, you know what goes with what what is not being said is that you know all of the musicians in lizard music are um involved in other bands, you know, so like we're right. all in other outfits, and the work that we do in those other outfits it it might it 's not necessarily like what we would do in this band, nor you know would you often find that an idea that you have would be taken by that band? So like, maybe you have stuff that's laying around. That's not appropriate for the other projects that you work on. And so like that gets thrown into the lizard music bucket. And the, my second half of that is that there's just this, um, there's this innate trust that we all have amongst ourselves that if we do bring something in, in the old days, when we were young and annoying You know, somebody would somebody would bring something in and you'd be like, well, that's not that's not very good or it wouldn't get accepted. And, you know, there's a lot more like possession about things. And you took things a lot more personally Um, with the benefit of a few decades of you know wisdom and maturity. um, We really looked at it like we we all have respect for each other's skills and talents. And therefore, like we all took a great responsibility to see each other's ideas and make them the best that they could be. And that to me was really the most um, satisfying and delightful thing was that, you know, nobody was taking anything personally. If something didn't work, it didn't get used or somebody would be like, well, maybe you could try this. Like it was a very, everybody was very delicate in the way that they handled it. And, but always, always in the service of the song and in the service of the music. So I feel like that just, Innately comes out through the music that we took such such care with each other,
3: and it only took us twenty five years to get to this point. <laughs> hey, you know.
1: <laughs> well, it certainly comes through in just talking to the two of you, and I think by extension, listening to the record, that camaraderie in that sense of like that's it's the four of us versus everyone else in some ways. Yeah, we oh, sure. felt like that. Yeah, and is there any desire to get back in a van together and? take this out on the road or is this something that just with everyone else's schedule it's just like this is never going to happen let's just enjoy what we're doing now
3: i don't know about like doing an extensive campaign but i i think i speak for everybody where i know that we would love to play a few shows here and there if possible um You know, we have these sort of unfortunate high startup costs because (laughs) like two people have to fly to the other coast um, just to get a band practice going. (laughs) Um, So that's, you know, that's one thing we're trying to we're trying to figure out some way to do, you know, again, I I don't. After after being touring now for like 20 years, like to to do like a, a van tour, as much as I would love to hang out with these guys. (laughs) in a van tour like it's uh it's such a it's such a hard slog um when you're a virtual nobody you know i mean it's really you're playing in really tough small places because you know you know the wilco associations and the cat power associations really only get you like so far and and uh, I mean, I've experienced this with all of my other projects where, you know, uh, it, it just doesn't, you know, people want to see Wilco and they don't even, they don't know what lizard music is, or they, you know, want to see Cat Power. And so uh, there's, you know, there's an education that needs to happen of the music public and the people who would go to shows about this. And um, that just you know, as a friend of mine says, like when you're touring, you're, you open your business in a town, like one town at a time. And mm-hmm. the you got to really just to do it for real, uh, you got to just hammer and just constantly be on the road. And, you know, we all have families and obligations. And um, I don't think my wife would take kindly to be like, I'm going to go out <laughs> on the road for three weeks and not make any money. Is that cool? <laughs> Uh, but we Fair. will definitely we'll definitely play some shows at some point hopefully within the next year
1: and as we wrap up here um Michael I feel like I am you know sort of journalistically required to ask this question <laughs> is there new music coming from Quindar anytime soon
3: there is a there's a record that's almost completely done um it was one of the one of the th- three records that i made in <laughs> quarantine <laughs> um and uh it's it's really a matter of uh of finding uh, a home for it at this point and um but yeah there there's more there's there's more of everything <laughs> that, I, that, I, <laughs> that i that i do and so um you know um but this the the thing about this lizard music record was that i just uh, I reached out to Cheryl Pawalski at Omnivore and it was literally the only email that I wrote to anybody. I said, Hey, I just, I made this record with, with my friends and you know, is there room on your roster for schedule for next year to put it out? And she was like, yeah, this is great. Let's do it. I was like, wait, really? Like <laughs> we're, we're done already. Like, <laughs> And, you know, and now here we are vinyl comes out on December 10th in um, wherever you buy vinyl and, you know, their album has been out now for almost a month um, digitally. And uh, the response has been great, small, but, you know, we're again, we have I think the big challenge is just letting everybody know that this thing is worth your time, you know.
1: Just like Michael said, Into the Arizona by Lizard Music is available on vinyl December 10th. It's available in every other format right now. For more information, you can follow them on Facebook, where they are at facebook.com slash lizardmusicnj, or you can go to their website, lizardmusic.net.
0: You can check us out on all the various socials. Be sure to visit our website at rockandrollgradschool.com, and don't forget to leave us a review.
1: Today's show is produced by myself and Heidi Hegquist. Our reluctant producers are John Sauvey and Sandy Stone. Our willing producers are Rachel Allen and Randy Jeanette. Our intern is Zach Jackson. This one's for Philippe. Thank you, good night, and may all your favorite bands stay together.